Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the... Big Ten Powerhouse Podcast. This is uh, podcast number 19. Um, have some uh, interesting stuff on the table today. <laughs> uh, it'll be a little bit of a, a shorter one than we've had the last few weeks, which will probably be a welcome addition to some of you guys. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we have, uh, we'll have we be having uh, one of the guys on from uh, Coordination, which is the Nebraska site, um, just talk a little bit about Nebraska. It's one of the... Uh, the teams we haven't covered in the last couple of weeks kind of been going around and talking about um, some of the top teams, some of the the middle teams, some of the NCAA teams. And, uh, yeah, last week we talked about some of the uh, quote-unquote bottom teams of the Big Ten. Um, but two two teams that we haven't talked about yet are Michigan and Nebraska, and that's because they kind of don't fit into any of those groups. They're not really a bottom. Uh, both teams aren't really a bottom teams around the Big Ten, but they aren't quite good enough to be an NCAA consideration right now. Um, and obviously neither are at the at the top with the Wisconsin's and Maryland's um, of the conference, but still both uh, with some ups and downs this season, some potential. And really we want to talk about kind of that that bubble, so to speak, between the NCAA um, tournament and the bottom where you get some of the NIT teams. I'd say both are probably the Big Ten's most likely NIT teams just because Illinois and Purdue will – well, they have a good shot at making the NCAA tournament. So um, it's hard to hard to project where they're going to end up. But I'd say Michigan and Nebraska are definitely uh, two teams that very well could end up in the NIT. Um, and kind of want to talk about where fans, their interest should lie, what, which one they should want, why they should want it. Um, so that should be a... Uh, a fun little topic there, but uh, before before we get into that, and before uh, David joins us to chat about Nebraska, um, I did want to get into a couple of the uh, big events over the last few days um, around the Big Ten. Uh, last night, uh, a big battle between Maryland and Indiana really came down to the end. Um, Indiana had a shot to tie it with uh, Troy Williams and Farrell down there, but uh, or win it, I should say. Um, couldn't pull it off, and ended up uh, falling on the road to to Maryland. But big win for the Terps, trying to get back on track. They've had kind of a rough go of it for the last month, um, losing their big games on the road, beating the teams they should beat at home. Um, but definitely a big win for them, and they're going to be a team to watch out for uh, over the next couple of weeks as they start getting some of these uh, – <laughs> big games at home. Um, I know a lot of people are already circling that Maryland uh, Wisconsin game. Um, it'll be an interesting um, experience just because it very well could be Wisconsin's toughest remaining road game. 
um, oh, toughest remaining game scheduled so far right now. <clears throat> uh, Ken Palm currently has Wisconsin as a 70% chance to win. Um, Ohio at Ohio State is their lowest um, projected game right now at 52%. But uh, you know Maryland is they're going to get Wisconsin at home. They're going to get Michigan at home. Um, they do have Rutgers in the Nebraska twice and Penn State, but uh, they should be solid to set up um, for a nice run here to close out the season and really uh, um, get things going here, so to speak. But uh, I, I, I'd say that was the, the big game of last night. Um, over the last weekend or so, um, Ohio State's kind of been the big, the big story. They beat Rutgers and beat Penn State, which isn't really that noteworthy. Um, but D'Angelo Russell has been fantastic. Um, I actually posted an article a couple days ago um, kind of highlighting how good he could be long-term for the for the Buckeyes, where he fits in among some of the, the Big Ten's best freshmen over the last uh, five, six, seven years, um, including Odin, including Jared Sollinger, including Eric Gordon. Um, he holds right up there with all those guys, which is – no no easy thing to do um that takes some uh some real skills <laughs> to even be in consideration with those types of freshmen um but he's right there with them um i don't think you can say he's been the best i don't think you can say he is dominant in any one factor over those guys but um he's there when you break down the stats when you break down the advanced stats and uh Another one of our writers, um, Drew Ham, actually did an article uh, earlier today on our site, um, basically highlighting, you know, before the season and during the season, Frank Kaminsky has been the runaway candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year, and he kind of talked a little bit about maybe D'Angelo Russell deserves a little um, talk in this conversation. Maybe Kaminsky isn't as much of a runaway candidate as we thought. Um, Kaminsky still appears to be the wooden award favorite. Um, all the major sites still have him as the favorite. I think he should be. Um, I, to be honest, I don't get as much of a chance, as much chance as I wish to watch, um, you know, basketball around the, on the, around the country. But um, just given what he's doing in the Big Ten, I think Kaminsky has to be right up there. I couldn't imagine too many guys outperforming him uh, as of now. But you know, the fact that we're even bringing that up and it isn't that crazy of a thought that D'Angelo Russell could be with him is uh, pretty telling and shows just how special of a freshman he's been this year and what Ohio State fans have to look forward to the rest of the year and, you know, maybe, just maybe, uh, maybe next year. Um, he, he certainly looks like he'd be a prime candidate to go pro early, but, um, you know, you never know. Some of these guys, they want to come back and, experience college one more year um just be a kid i guess <laughs> for another year <clears throat> excuse me but um yeah definitely uh they've been the talk um two wins there over kind of bottom dollar teams so to speak but um one one really notable thing about ohio state right now is they do have some challenging games ahead um on the road at michigan state michigan back-to-back that's going to be tough um they do have some space between those games, but the reason why I think it's going to be tough is because those are going to be big-time crowds, um, especially Michigan. Uh, Wolverine fans will be pumped up for that game. Um, so watch out for a potential upset there. 
But, um, you know, escaping at 2-0 and would be very impressive out of those two. I'm anticipating more of a 1-1. and um, You know, they could potentially drop both, but if they can at least go 1-1, one one, that'd be big for them looking ahead as they try to, uh, you know, prove themselves as that, that number two team in the Big Ten. Um, but but the thing that I that I was getting to is that if you look at their schedule ahead, the only the only red flag upset potential game right there is probably uh, Penn State on the home, uh, Penn State on on the road. Um, so that's that's something to uh, to keep in mind. I actually tweeted out last night the uh, what I called the number to watch, and that was thirteen in the sense that. The Big Ten, there are 13 games against Penn State, Northwestern, and Rutgers um, against teams that are currently projected or on the bubble of the NCAA tournament. And the reason why I say that is because we've heard time and time again, you don't want to be upset if you want to make it. Um, I think that's a generally accepted uh, accepted rule um, in bracketology. And, you know, if the Big Ten can avoid losing to those teams or – you know, go twelve and one, you know, eleven and two, something like that. I think that would be huge because the worst thing the Big Ten can have is to lose some of these bids, um, you know, for for conference strength purposes, and to try to get some of these teams in the Big Dance, try to make sure their program is relevant and competitive, um, and it'll help recruiting. There's no doubt about that. But. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd say those are the two big kind of stories. Um, the battle between Indiana and Maryland last night, um, Ohio State. The only other one that I think has kind of turned into a little bit of a saga is the uh, the Adam Woodbury uh, eye issue. Um, I believe I've talked about this a couple weeks ago, but he kind of had an issue where um, he sort of either alleged, you know, accidentally or intentionally. Um, sort of went for Frank Kaminsky and Nigel Hayes' eyes when Iowa played uh, at Wisconsin. Um, Obviously a a big controversy. People do not like to see that. Um, And the thing is, is that, uh, you know, people kind of got over it. And then last Sunday he hit Melville Trimble in the eye, which kind of led to an even more bigger uproar. Um, you know, people calling for suspensions and so on. I think that's one of the uh, the really big um, side stories to Big Ten play as of now. Uh, you know, as unfortunate as that is, um, you know, I, I got a chance to talk with uh, um, on ESPN Radio earlier today, and they were asking me about it. And, you know, my, my take's pretty simple. I think it's a, uh, a guy who is a physical player. Everyone's known he's a physical player for the last couple of years. And I think, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's one of those things where he's trying to be physical. He's trying to get in their face. He's trying to make a, a statement um, and frustrate guys, you know, as they're coming in, he doesn't want to give them easy looks. And that's, that's kind of his style, so to speak. And I think, you know, he just happens to go too far um, I don't think it's, you know, an intent to, hey, I'm going to try to take these guys out or hurt their game or something. I think it's more of just a, whoops, a guy carried away. You know, he when he played against Kaminsky, you know, Wisconsin was handling them pretty easily. 
and you do wonder if it's just frustration where he's trying to, you know, make a statement and try to stop him and, you know, it's just things get away from him a little bit. And I think that's going to be uh, something to watch. I'm sure everyone's eyes are going to be all over Woodbury going forward. Um, you know, I know I know my take maybe is kind of jumping on the fence, so to speak, not really taking a side, but that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. I think in these situations, everybody, you know, they want to either pull the kid's scholarship or they want to just act like it's nothing. And I think, you know, it'd be something if it happened once or twice, but three times into different three different players is definitely a a trend and you do have to ask if there's something there. I the way I would address it personally is I think you have to consider, you know, you have to send a message to where he has to back off on his play. Um, you know, you don't have to necessarily suspend him for, you know, umpteen weeks, but uh you know, keep an eye call him if he's being too physical and so on. That's that's the way I would look at it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out for him. McCaffrey has been very, very dismissive, almost kind of nasty <laughs> to the media when they ask about it. Um, I've been tweeting out some of the quotes. They're definitely interesting, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, that's the that's the kind of side story, the, uh, the saga going. But, um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up my uh, – my intro rant here <laughs> about the going ons of the of the Big Ten as a whole. Um, again, David McGee, he'll be here in a couple minutes. I think he's running a little bit behind. Um, he's going to chat some Nebraska, some Nebraska ball with us. But um, yeah, before before he gets on, um, <clears throat> I uh, I do want to touch a little bit on uh, Michigan here. Um, as I mentioned, two of the teams that we wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, Tonight we're Michigan and Nebraska. They're kind of in that in-between area, so to speak. Um, don't appear to be NCAA at large contenders. You know, Michigan's a, a faint, faint, you know, hope. They have to basically win out um, to be a serious contender. But um, but both teams do have quality. They won big games. Um, so, I mean, I, I think they deserve, you know, some some coverage here. Uh, in terms of Michigan, to kind of recap their season so far, um, early on, started actually pretty well. Um, uh, 4-0, they beat Oregon. They beat uh, Detroit team that can get up and challenge some people. Um, they fell in a really, really exciting and um, back-and-forth game against a good Villanova team um, on a neutral court. Uh, came back, uh, won their next two, including Syracuse at home. That was kind of the uh, the peak of Michigan basketball this season, so to speak. Um, after then, it's kind of been a, a decline. They got upset by New Jersey Institute of Technology, as everyone knows, one of the biggest upsets of the season. Lost to Eastern Michigan the next game. Um, people started asking what's wrong. They got demolished by Arizona on the road. You know, Arizona is stacked. A lot of teams should get blown out there, but... Um, Definitely not a not a pretty loss by any means, and uh, they wrapped up that uh, horrid four game stretch against SMU. Uh, rebounded, you know, kind of kind of up and down in Big Ten play after that, um, losing on the road to Ohio State, Purdue, 
winning against some of the more manageable games. Uh, then the last couple of weeks, they lost Levert, Karis Levert, their best player, um, and it's kind of been battling through injuries to to win some of these games or keeping close. They took Wisconsin, Michigan State to overtime, lost both games, um, almost beat Indiana last weekend, fell short. Um, I, I think I think the thing is we've seen John Beeline, you know, show that he's a outstanding coach during this stretch. Um, really, no doubt about the direction of the program long term, but. They're, they've really been decimated by injuries, and they're such a young team. And I think the thing is, is the anticipation before the year was it was going to kind of pick up as the season went on. I think you did start to see that, and then it, you know, they got hit by Levert going out, then they got hit by Walton going out, and now they're just a really thin team trying to battle against the quality opponents. Um, if they had avoided those upsets early on, I still think they're in the discussion because they wouldn't have those those two bad losses. But, you know, that's that's the nature of the game. Um, now they're behind the eight ball and kind of battling to, to stay relevant here. Um, uh, you know, some bright spots. Again, uh, Levert was playing well. Walton was playing well. But um, Aubrey Dawkinson's played really, really well. And Muhammad Ali Abdur-Rachman has played well um, in these last couple of games. He's really good against Michigan State. Um, looks like they might even pull out that win because of him. Um, again, both Dawkins and uh, I call him Mar uh, for short, uh, or Mo. I guess you can call him Mo. Um, uh, both freshmen. So Michigan's going to have a lot coming back next year. But, um, yeah, I, I think they are headed for the, the NIT or close, you know, assuming they can kind of um, win at least the manageable games the rest of the year, steal a big one. Um, I think they're headed there, but that's that's kind of how I see uh, how I see it for Michigan here, but it looks like we do have David um, on here, so we can move on to Nebraska. Uh, David, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. How's everything going out uh, in Nebraska? Oh, it's been uh, well. It's gotten cold again. We had a nice stretch of weather, but uh, otherwise, basketball-wise, <laughs> you know, it's been an interesting year. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, to to spin off of that, why don't why don't you um I just talked a little bit about Michigan. Why don't for fans who haven't followed Nebraska as well, could you just do a quick uh readers digest recap of the season? Um sure. I think uh <laughs> the the biggest I mean it's been a year that has obviously I think is everybody's at least familiar with. Um it's been a year that hasn't lived up to the expectations that many people had for coming into the season. You know, coming off their first NCAA tournament appearance in, um, you know, 16 years. Everybody expected uh, them just to continue to roll along and 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 get back there this year. And that, um, barring a turn of events that nobody sees coming, uh, will not be the case. They've um, they struggled to fill some of the deficiencies they had last year in, in perimeter um, scoring, uh, point guard play, and then in the post hampered a little bit by, well, a lot by um, Leslie Smith going down in the summer. And they he was he was a, a really nice compliment to Walter Pitchford on the post and then bringing in Moses Abraham. Those three were looked to really hold down the fort in the front court, and that just hasn't, hasn't played out. Uh, Abraham offers nothing offensively, and Smith has, has he's back, but he's, he's not near what he was last year. So they suffered there. Um, they haven't replaced the threat of uh, Ray Gallegos, 
and all of those things combined um, ha- has just sort of led to a disappointing season. Um, when you when you combine, you know, factor in that they have basically just two players that people that teams need to, to game plan for, and offensively, um, you know, some of the guys that thought that would fill some of those roles haven't developed. Uh, you know, Nick Fuller or Jacob Hammond, some of the young guys. Um, Ty Webster hasn't taken a step, or at least a big step forward, like they were expecting, and consequently, you have uh, a, a season that has um, failed to meet the expectations of everybody, both inside and outside the program. Um, to to spin a little bit off your comment about uh, um, kind of two guys the game plan for, I, I'm assuming you're talking about Petaway and Shields here. Um, right, correct. Yeah. I, I think uh, coming into the year, um, Taran Petaway, all-Big Ten player last year, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to necessarily say high expectations, but people assumed he would kind of maintain at least what he did last year. Um, right. He hasn't seemed to be quite as solid, and I know there's a lot of criticism that he's kind of, quote-unquote, right. hogged the ball. Um, sure. how, how do you feel about those concerns? Well, I mean, if you look at his numbers, they're pretty consistent with what he put up last year. Um, I mean, he's scoring about the same amount of points. He's rebounding about the same. His assists are a little up. His turnovers are a little up. Um, His free throw shooting is a little down. But, I mean, he's been remarkably consistent, in my opinion, from what he's put up last year. Um, So, from what I see, he looks pretty much like the same player. Uh, He's got those, you know, the, the people talked about the attitude or the the, the uh, encore demeanor last year too about the careless turnovers, the frustration, or the frustrated um, fouls after a mistake, stuff like that. So that stuff was all there last year, but they were winning basketball games, and so you could overlook it a little bit mm-hmm. easier. Um, but he's the marquee player, and so when he uh, has issues on the court or has a run-in with an official or a head, you know, he gets into an argument with. Coach Miles, that's going to be magnified. But his production has been about the same. Um, and so, I, I mean, I, you know, the conversation around here has been, you know, is is he a, a leader um, that can take the program to the next level? Well, I mean, they don't get to the NCAA tournament last year without him. Um, I know they had some other pieces last year. They did. They don't this year. But um, he's he's the central figure turn around to the program. So um, it's really hard for me to be so critical that um, I would want to see him gone because I think that would be uh, something that would set the program back quite a bit if he doesn't come back next year or, you know, uh, that. Um, or if he hadn't, if I just, you know, take a step back and look at what he's done over the past two years, his contribution to the program I don't think can be overstated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and to kind of um, go a little bit uh, broader here for Nebraska, mm-hmm. obviously um, I think it's safe to say Nebraska isn't a, a blue blood college basketball program traditionally, um, you know, with your right. answer. That's fair. So to speak. I would say that's fair. Um, <laughs> um, and and to to comment on that, um, obviously, you know, you talked about expectations coming back. Um they made the NCAA tournament. It looked like they were bringing virtually everything back from last year's team. Um, right. Maybe get maybe some, getting some more production off the bench. Um, people, there are people talking about that. You know, 
maybe they probably couldn't challenge Wisconsin, but they could finish second in the Big Ten. Um, right. Haven't haven't quite done that. Um, has there been a kind of backlash against Miles, or is it just kind of people are well, this is part of the program building process? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, you get uh, what you get is in the heat of the moment, you get people who criticize Miles, and then people respond with the this is part of the program building process. So you get some of both. Um, and that's sort of the, the argument on Twitter. It's like, well, wait a minute. He's the guy who's supposed to put this team together. Why hasn't he? And then when you step back and consider where they were two and a half years ago, I mean, the fact that to even have that expectation is pretty pretty dramatic, a pretty dramatic turn of events. So um, I think anybody that's calling for Miles' job at this point is probably a little bit short-sighted um, considering where the program was when he took it over. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just just one more question about the uh, yeah. <laughs> about the, the struggle, so to speak. Um, it's the story of the year. Of, I mean, that's that's kind of what you have to yeah. talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, in terms of this year, how how would number? I know you know there were the preseason expectations, but how would, for instance, an NIT bid be perceived to Nebraska fans? Well, you're. I mean, I think most fans would perceive it as not meeting the expectations of the season. Um, you know, when you, cause like you said, they brought on paper, they should have had more success than they, than they did. Um, and so I think that would be a disappointment on, on that aspect. Um, considering where the season stands today, I think the NIT would actually be an accomplishment um, because to get there, they would have to do something that they haven't shown they can do this year. And that's a win on the road in conference play. Because um, if they if they stay status quo, beat Iowa and Maryland at home, and then go on the road, because all of, all six games that they have left on their schedule are teams that are above them in the standing. So there's not going to be an easy game in the bunch. But if they take care of business at home, but then hold or you know stay status quo and lose those four road games, which they're going to be they're not going to be favored in any of those games. <clears throat> then they're going to be at 500 going into the Big Ten tournament, and that's not where they want to sit if they want to play uh, in the NIT, I don't think. So um, they're going to have to do something that they haven't shown that they've been capable of doing so far, and that's you know win at Purdue or find a way to steal one at, in Columbus or or Maryland or um, I forget where the fourth game is, but... Uh, you know those those things just haven't haven't happened this year. So um, mm-hmm. to do that, if they can do that, I think that would be an accomplishment given what has taken place up to now. Um, but you'd be looking at a, a roster that, much like um, this year, is going to bring a lot of people back. Um, you'll need to replace both of your post players, other than Pitchford, but um, just about everybody else on the roster is back, and then you add in. Uh, two top 100 players, and you add in Andrew White. Um, and so you, you'll you have some pieces to work with. Um, but uh, so from that aspect, getting into the NIT, I think, would still be valuable for uh, the guys on the roster um, coming back next year. So I, I think there would be some value in it. It would certainly be perceived as a step backwards, though. Okay. Um, and, and I do want to get into the NIT talk a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, um, to kind of be a little bit of uh, 
optimistic about things. Um, what is something Nebraska fans should be excited about with this team um, or going into next year or whatever you um, are excited about, about Nebraska right now? Um, for the right, for the remainder of the season or going forward or sure, whatever you want. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I still think, I mean, I, I still think next year they're going to be really good. Um, you know, Shields comes back. I don't expect Walter Pitchford to have as bad a year next year as he did this year. Um, I'm hoping that he'll learn from from this year. Um, and I still, I'm not gonna, I'm not giving up on you know Ty Webster. That guy's shown how, that he's got the talent to play. Um, but then you add in a, a top 50 player coming out of high school in, in White, who everybody all you hear about is how he's tearing up the the first team in practice. Uh, you heard those stories about uh, Pitchford and Petaway. They're the years that they sat out after transferring. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, and then, you know, Nebraska, before before this recruiting class, had never signed a top 100 player out of high school. And they've got two in this class. So uh, I, I think there's still a lot of, of um, excitement for uh, the future for players that will be on the roster next year and, and years down the road. But um, this year, it's kind of, of, of get what you can get out of it and um, work your butts off in the summer and see what see what you can you can do next year. But there's I think there's a lot to be excited for next year and uh, years down the road. Yeah, well, uh, good to hear. Um, but moving on to the uh, one of the the themes I kind of wanted to touch here, um, as you mm-hmm. may may have heard, I was talking about before you got on was uh, was Michigan which I think yeah. um, in general, Michigan and Nebraska are kind of in similar situations this year. Um, yeah. Some high expectations. Uh, some the season. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think um, I, I decided not to include Minnesota in this one just because I'm not sure how much of a contender they are for, for instance, the NIT or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I mean, they, they were a French um, team coming into the year. And, uh, but no, fair enough. That's fine. <laughs> Let's go ahead. <laughs> Plus, we covered them last week, so it only makes sense. Yeah. But, okay, well, uh, there you go. I mean, you, you can't get the coaches too much love now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so one of one of the things I wanted to talk on, I get I get questions about this mm-hmm. all the time on Twitter. Um, I I have my own take, but I know it's a I don't know if I don't know if it qualifies as a narrative, but it's a big debate that people oftentimes have. Is for instance, if you're a team, say Michigan, um, I think they probably have passed their window. But for instance, a week ago, they were in serious talk. They were a bubble team in mm-hmm. Lenardi's bracket or SB Nation's bracket. Um, they were one of the first four, first eight teams out. So they were definitely in the discussion to get in. They lose a couple games. Now they're probably too far out but before then there was the discussion of well do we want to go in as you know an 11 or a 12 seed and get knocked out first round or do we want to go into the NIT with a pretty young roster and potentially make a run get these guys playing experience or uh, more experience on the court get them more time and take that into next year and then hopefully have a better year um and it's basically the concept of do you want that extra experience or do you want, you know, the madness chance, I guess, <laughs> right. even though you're a, right. a mega underdog. 
Um, first, I, I wanted to just get your take on that concept in general, and then we'll kind of throw it at the teams after that. But what, what's your first thought sure. when someone brings up that topic? Is if you have the choice of being a 12th seed in the NCAA tournament versus being a one seed in the NIT, I'm taking the NCAA tournament every time. Um, and that's only – that's a the goal for every team to start the season is to get to the NCAA tournament. I've never seen anybody say, I want to get to the NIT and make a run and go to Madison Square Garden. I mean, I know that Minnesota won the NIT last year. I wouldn't I wouldn't know that because they talked about it the last time Nebraska and Minnesota played. But beyond <laughs> that, I don't know who they beat. I don't know who, who they beat in the Final Four in, in Madison Square Garden. I don't know who won it two years ago. or I know Nebraska won it sometime in the 90s, but, I mean, nobody remembers the NIT. Um, it's it's kind of fun to watch your team play a few more games, I guess, but um, it's 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 an invisible tournament unless unless you are unless your team's in it. Um, you know, Nebraska is, is has known for um, one of the the narratives that you always hear about them is you know they've never won an NCAA tournament game, and uh, Coach Miles uh, said and uh, when they signed. The two guys, the two guys from Chicago, uh, Glenn Watson and, and Ed uh, Merrill Jr., was they don't get in the door if they don't make the NCAA tournament last year. Um, and so, from a perception standpoint, a program perception standpoint, you have to go to the NCAA tournament. That has to be the goal. And um, if you're not, if you're not there, then your program loses a lot of luster, you know. So um, for, from a standpoint of, of just would I rather go to the NCAA tournament and get bounced or would I rather see my team go into the, or to the NIT and play for three more weeks, play five more games? Well, no, I'm going to take the tournament, the NCAA tournament, every time. That said, for a young team like a Michigan or even a Nebraska that returns most of their roster, there's value, I think, in playing deep into a tournament. And you can, I think, translate that assuming you get to the NCAA tournament down the road. So I think there's value there. Um, but from a program health standpoint, from a perception standpoint, um, you take the NCAA tournament every time. Yeah, I am I am 100% in agreement Um and it kind of shocks me how many people actually think the other way um, right. on this. And and the the reason for me is, you know, first off, you start out with, um, at least for me personally, I want to fill Michigan out of my bracket. But um, <laughs> right. exactly. outside, of, outside of the bracket, um, I, I think the, the big thing that people underestimate is, first off, it keeps your program relevant, um, especially right. if you're – um, you know, I, I think it is a little different if you're in Nebraska where, you know, it's the first year you've made it in a while um, and so on. But if you're a team who routinely makes it, um, you want to stay in that discussion where people are talking about you where, you know, on Selection Sunday you're being talked about, you know, for the whole sure. first week when people are projecting. Even if you're knocked out first round, even if you're a mega underdog, you're still going to get talked about to an extent. Right. Um, and the, right. and Obviously, that that feeds into recruiting. The first thing, which um, you know, regardless of what people want to think, recruiting matters. And right. and the second the second part of that to me is it gets your guys experience that you cannot get anywhere else. 
that experience exactly. of playing in the NCAA tournament under the lights with the national audience and not just that, but the schedule of how those games happen because they're very unusual if you've, if you've gotten mm-hmm. a chance to go. And and the third thing is is that um, the guys get to see the kind of, of level you have to play at to compete right. in the NCAA tournament because it's a whole different intensity because you lose and you're done. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I think it's interesting, too, from a standpoint of a program like Nebraska versus Michigan, where Michigan has been to Final Fours in the last couple of years, and the Elite Eights, and they made deep runs in the tournament. You know, a program like Michigan can, um, can absorb a season like this where their perception is not going to be as dramatically impacted because they've consistently putting players in the NBA, consistently making deep runs in the tournament, whereas Nebraska, that isn't necessarily the case. They, they made one year. And so as far as we can tell at this point, that, that was a fluke season, you know. And so um, I think there would have been – I think not making it into the tournament is more impactful on Nebraska than it would be on Michigan because Michigan has that track record. Coach Beeline has that track track record of being putting teams consistently there. But I you've seen programs like Syracuse have a down year and go to the NIT. You've seen um, Kentucky have a, a year where they were in the NIT recently, and those programs were able to, you know, absorb that and maintain and and still not fall completely off the radar because of who they are. Nebraska doesn't have that luxury, mm-hmm. so they're fortunate in that they will have a lot of players coming back next year, so perhaps they can get over that. But if they had five seniors this year on this team and, and were suffering those expectations, it'd be, I'd be a lot more concerned um, than I would be if with, with as many people coming back as they have next year. You know, that's a, that's an interesting comment. And um, coming from a, you know, a diehard Michigan fan. Um, it, it's interesting because Michigan actually sort of had the same trajectory with Beeline, where yeah. they made it in. They made it in the tournament. Um, they won a game and got knocked out, and then the next year, big expectations. Um, you know, people were ta- weren't talking about as Big Ten champs, but as serious contenders and probably going to be a solid seed. Came in top twenty-five, right. just bad year just bad year. Things right. just didn't work right. Um, and people started really questioning Beeline. And that's why I was sure. curious, you know, what the perception of Miles was. Um, I know Michigan, you know, they they have a little bit more history than, you know, Nebraska, but both were kind yeah. of, uh, you know, down um, before Beeline and Miles got there. But, um, you know, for Michigan, obviously, uh, for Michigan fans, they're happy that, Things did come around, you know. They got Burke, they got Tim Hardaway, and right. they've been rolling until this year. But um, you know, I I think it is it is a blow to those guys because every recruit wants to play in the NCAA tournament. Like anybody Absolutely. who pretends that, like I, I'm a I'm a guy who's probably higher on the NIT than most people. Um, you know, I think winning an NIT championship, you know, matters. I think you should be able sure. to brag about it and so on. But I don't even know if that's even better than a first round, like just making it. I, I really right. I really don't think it is. And um, I, I think when you step back and look at the big picture, it's it's really one-sided um, yeah. here. But, uh, but yeah, um, I, th- I think it's an interesting it's a, it's a, topic. To your, comment, 
to your comment there on the trajectories of Michigan versus Nebraska, those two programs aren't the only programs that have had that type of trajectory. And you, I mean, you see that sort of thing across all sports, um, where a team will suddenly, after either having been dormant or not having much success, will suddenly have a season out of nowhere where they're good, and then that next year they come back down to earth a little bit. I mean, I've seen that in, in every, even professional sports, but, you know, players that are a lot more accustomed to the scrutiny and to the intensity of like, you know, professional sports. But and then on college, I mean, this sort of thing is not uncommon. Um, and what happened at, at Michigan when Beeline came, it's not uncommon. So um, it's not, I'm not stunned to see this happen. You know, I, I may have said that when I came on your tour earlier uh, back, you know, in the fall, was you know I'm not mm-hmm. stunned to to see um, Nebraska coming back to pack a little bit. That that doesn't stun me. Um, I'm disappointed, but I'm not stunned. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it is, and I I kind of feel the same way. Um, I know Michigan's in a, a radically different situation overall, but um, you know right. this year it, it, I had the same perspective on Michigan before the season where you know I. I actually picked Michigan second in the Big Ten. I'm totally open about it. I definitely did. Um, and because I, I thought the pieces were going to click, I thought some of the freshmen were going to come in and perform better than they did. But, you know, when when you're when you're relying on a team that a lot's moving out and a lot's moving in, sometimes it just doesn't equal out. <laughs> and yeah, that um, doesn't, hurt. It you doesn't know, help that, when your two best players go down either. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you have two big guys go down, you have other guys get sick and it's just, um, you know, it's been, it's been kind of a, uh, a whirlwind so far this year for sure. Beeline and his staff. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it is interesting, but, um, to, to jump back into, into this year, so to speak, um, sure. I guess, I guess the, um, to put the rubber to the road, um, is Nebraska going to make the NIT? Um, as you mentioned, it, it might be a little bit of a, uphill battle, but what what is your prediction on that? Man, um, at this point, it's hard for me to predict that considering what I've seen them do this year. Um, it, I mean, they do, they're going to be, you know, a five or a six seed in that tournament. Um, and they're going to get in a, a 500 record. So, they'll, you know, that means, you know, status quo, win at home, lose on the road, and maybe – go one and one in, in Chicago. Um, and so you'd be sitting at what, 16 and 16. They might get in. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they fell to a CBI at that situ- in that situation, but um, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to be able to predict that at this point, um, just given what, uh, what I've seen. So I would go with no. Okay. And, and a just to get a running way to end the season. Yeah, and to um to get a little bit of your perspective on this as well, um I'm not 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 everyone's up on the the Big Ten tournament this year, but the big new change is that with Rutgers and Maryland, there's going to be a uh, what is it a Wednesday? There's another day where it's um, yeah right. What is it ten, right. 10 versus fourteen or eleven fourteen twelve thirteen and um, right like like for instance Nebraska is kind of they're at the 10 seed, so they avoid the first day as of now. Right. Obviously, everything right. will change you know, in a couple of weeks. But do, right. do you want Nebraska in that game to potentially get that extra win, or are you worried that you know they could potentially go down to Rutgers? 
I'm I um I think I would rather get the ten seed and play a team. Um, what what's the lowest seed that would play one of those games? That'd be like a six, wouldn't it? It's, so ten seed yeah, would play. Yeah, I believe so. Let me pull this up. Uh, yeah, so ten seed <laughs> would still be in the, playing the seven. Ah, um, I mean, I'm really not afraid of anybody that's not Wisconsin. So um, <laughs> I think I'd rather I'd rather probably get like a a nine or a ten seed. Um, and play one of those teams and then take my luck against, you know, one of the big dogs. Um, here's, I, I don't know. Here, that here's how it, oh, here's how it breaks down just as a, as okay. a heads up. It's uh 12, yeah. 13, 11, 14 is the first day. Those, okay. the 12, 13 feeds into against five and the 11, okay. 14 feeds against six. And then it's seven, 10 and eight, nine. So, <clears throat> I mean, the biggest, no. I guess I, I I could see Nebraska fall onto the eleven. Um, I don't see them going lower than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they could go to. I guess Minnesota could jump them, but um, uh, you see, you Rutgers, Rutgers, Penn State, and uh, Northwestern would be your bottom three. I don't see them falling falling below that. So the worst I see would be an eleven. I wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever. I would rather probably stay out of that first day, if at all possible, would be my preference. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I don't think Michigan's probably not, well, I guess they're only a game ahead of, uh, Nebraska, so they definitely could fall, um, into that first day. I don't, I don't anticipate it will happen for Michigan, um, but I, I, I wouldn't want to be on that first day. Um, I just think, you know, Going down to a Rutgers or a Northwestern would be a – no offense to those teams, bad. but that would be a rough way to end the season um, Yeah, because you're pretty much – you're out of the NIT then. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's over. Um, it's over. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, looking at Nebraska's schedule, they have the schedule to fall. They have the schedule to fall at the 11. Um, so, and so if they drop, you know, home games to Iowa and Maryland, then, yeah, they'd be, they'd be there. But um, I don't – I don't really anticipate – them falling all the way to the 11, but it's possible. Yeah, we, um, well, let's see, to, uh, I guess the other side of it, the other team we're covering from Michigan, um, Michigan, it kind of has the challenge where they lost a decent hunk of non-conference games, so they kind of are battling uphill to get the, just the win total number they need. Um, Uh, they play Illinois. Yeah, yeah, they, um, they play Illinois tonight, they get a couple, they get a, Home games against Michigan State and Ohio State. I know the Buckeyes are kind of rolling right now, but I really, really don't believe Beeline's going to lose the Michigan State and the Ohio State game uh, back to back. There, I just, I just can't believe it. Um, <laughs> maybe that's just my my fandom coming out, but uh, <laughs> I, I think they're going to. Get, I think that he will. Michigan will win one of those games. More likely, yeah. the state game. But um, I think they're going to get one there. Maryland on the road is going to be uh, – that's going to yeah, be tough. They're tough. They're tough. But, um, yeah, but Northwestern Rutgers at the end, that should be two wins. Um, right. So then you get, what, two, three, maybe four more wins. You get up to around 17 wins. I think you're right on the bubble. And then hopefully you can steal a Big Ten tournament game. And if they do that, I think I think they're in. But um, – 
you know, it's they're definitely going to have some work cut out for them, <laughs> to say right. the least. But um, yeah. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess that kind of uh, wraps up our discussion on that. But um, before we before we take off, do you have any final thoughts on Nebraska, the Big Ten, uh, the NIT, <laughs> anything else? <laughs> well, I mean, just on, on from a Big Ten perspective, um, I mean the 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 middle is is so jumbled. I don't think I've ever seen a conference as jumbled in the middle as this conference. I mean, what last I looked, and this was before yesterday, so it may have changed, but there was, what, five teams, six teams tied at 7-4, seven, 7-4 four, seven four for second place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Iowa <laughs> was a half game out. I mean, it's just, that's that's absurd. Um, and so I think we're in for a really entertaining finish to conference play, um, regardless of what happens. Uh, and then if you, you know, yeah. Nebraska's got the talent to beat some of these teams, and so if a team like them or Minnesota um, decides to put it all together the last you know, three weeks, then then things will be really interesting. But uh, I think we're in for an entertaining finish. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm definitely, um, you know, one one of the tricky things is that, uh, you know, for these teams like Nebraska and uh, Minnesota, some of these, you know, Minnesota is pretty much the ultimate case where they play really, really well at home, and then they just, for some reason, can't take it on the road. Um, right. So I'm interested to see as they start getting some of these big opponents up there, including Wisconsin, which, I mean, it's tough for anybody to beat Wisconsin, but, uh, right. you know, bad who knows? And, yeah, and they could throw, you know, these teams could start throwing wrenches in this whole race, you know, if Michigan yep. knocks off Ohio State or Maryland beats Wisconsin and so on. But, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for coming on now, uh, David, and uh, hopefully we can uh, – Enjoy the rest of the conference season here. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. That was uh, David McGee from over on uh, Corn Nation. Uh, really happy to have him on. I thought it was a, a fun discussion there. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's it for this week. As I mentioned, a little bit shorter on um, this time. But, uh, but, yeah, looking forward to some great games tonight. Got uh, Minnesota at Iowa, Purdue at Rutgers, and Michigan at Illinois, which is a very interesting bubble game uh, for the Illini. But uh, thanks for checking us out. I'm Thomas Bendit, the manager at BT Powerhouse. Me out on Twitter at tbendit. But uh, thanks again, guys. Bye.